Shumrabyug. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Sherlock. Sure listen, the podcast taking a pop at culture. Sherlock, sure listen. 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 Very good and very exciting, Benjamin. Although I am disappointed by the lack of transparency of your white T-shirt. There's no time to complain about that. Because stop gyrating, Benjamin. It's it's too erotic for a July. Because we've got loads of stuff to look at, including, by gosh and by golly, there's a new Superman. Mm. Also, Barbie and Oppenheimer have teamed up, creating the terrifying fusion known as Barbenheimer. We also have a new trailer for June 2, which I don't remember watching. And you've seen Nivnok, the movie and the comic. And I've seen, Benjamin, Joan is Awful, which is the best thing that's been on television in years. And Secret Invasion, which ironically isn't. Sure, listen, Michael, if that wasn't enough, and it's really not. My top news for this week is that I am being silenced for my gyration, Michael. I am attempting to bring a little bit of levity and eroticism to the everyday world with a casual bit of podcast gyrating, and I've been told by my co-host it's no good. So I've had to, I've had to stop. But in more important news, Michael, we're also going to be taking a look at the horrible phenomenon of humans are being replaced. But this time, not mm. really by AI, Michael. Not really by AI, but by aliens and other things. Sometimes by AI, though. Sometimes by AI, though. Sometimes. But, you see, that's exactly what a co-host who was replaced by AI would say. Because wouldn't want to draw attention yeah, yeah. to the fact that, you know, say, Ben, the co-host of the podcast, Reduction Listen, had been replaced by a rather advanced AI. Yeah, not that advanced. Ben, or <laughs> sorry, the AI that I've replaced Ben with. Um, shut up for a second, because speaking of replacing people with cheaper counterparts, yeah. they've replaced Superman. Henry Cavill's not Superman anymore. Now there's a younger, cheaper, identical Superman. Uh, Michael, th- so there's been a bit of debate here on who they were going to replace Henry Cavill with. We knew, we've known for a while that Henry Cavill isn't making his big return to the DCU. And I gotta say, Michael, with the announcement of this cast, I'm kind of sad to see him go. <laughs> kind of a little bit... Ah, no. Sad to see That's him grand. go, Michael. It's the same. It's the same. He's basically the same. The they've same. cast the same man. They've, they've cast a slimmer, smaller man in the place of the Man of Steel. A man of aluminium, so to speak. Michael. Very good. Now, Benjamin, that will be a common complaint about this, but... Yeah. Have you seen pictures of Henry Cavill when he was cast as Superman pre-steroids? He's only a little baby. He's only a little slip of a fella. This fella's probably bigger than Henry Cavill was when he was cast. Yeah, that's absolutely 100% true, Michael. Uh, So we got Michael Corrensweat, which is hard to say. No, Corrensweat. It looks to be Corrensweat, but I couldn't say. Corrensweat. As the Americans call it, cornstarch. And one of the more important things there, Michael, is that we got Rachel Brosnahan off, uh, her off the Mrs. Maisel. Oh, yeah. Any relation to Pierce Brosnan? No relation to Pierce Brosnan as far as we can find. But one day, Michael, we'll get an Irishman's Superman. <laughs> the first ever Irish Superman. A big head in him and a Mayo jersey. And oh. people are saying, is it a bird? Is it a plane? And then he lands and he says, Mayo for Sam. Oh, that'd be class. I'd watch the book out of that. And Lex Luthor is a Dubs fan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not truth, ju- truth, justice, and the American way. It's all right, horse, mayo for Sam. 
That Here, Lex, Lex, will you cut that out? Will you just stop? No. Just give it over. Give Knock that off, you fucking gum. You fucking Amadon, you. <laughs> you Amadon. You fucking you're gum bean. <laughs> you're some gummel. You're some gummel. Get out. Yeah. Go on. Get. What have I told you? What have I told you? Uh, yeah. Michael, That's what will we... happen, Ben, if we get a male Superman. Uh, rather interestingly, Michael, uh, we've been we've gotten our double casting, the kind of the Lois Lane and the Superman tour, I think. But we've got nothing else yet, Michael. And it has people rabid for a second oh. guess. Um, people aren't very happy, though, with this casting, as we've just pointed out, for the reasons that we, we humorously did in a bit. Sincerely, oh. Michael. Yes. Oh, yeah. Well, you know what people are like, Ben? Some of them are the worst. Some of them are the worst, literally. Um, yeah, so we've gotten we've gotten that casting and people are, are, are a bit eager to see who the Lex Luthor of it all is going to be. Because remember, Michael, this one is an established Superman. I thought he was a new Superman. No, well, uh, yeah, no. But the story this time, Michael, is an established Superman. We're not going back to the early days of Superman. James Gunn wants to make a... Superman's been doing this for a while. This is what he's at. Kind of a Superman and Lois vibe. I thought we were going to get Superman versus the Authority in some sense. I think we are. See, the the interesting thing about this from, from the point of view of casting, Michael, is this is Lois and Superman in everything that James Gunn is going to helm. So Do go on. One of the strange promises that James Gunn has made is that we will see consistency across media. So, for example, Michael Corrin Sweet will not, will not only play the big blue Boy Scout in live action, he'll also play him in animated features that are brought out under oh. the new GCEU. Yeah, so this is, a, this is a strange thing that James Gunn has decided to do, which has led to a little bit of debate from fans going, well, actually, it's kind of nice to get multiple versions of your favourite character and find a good voice actor that does good work. But apparently James Gunn's vision is absolute consistency across the board. Except Batman. Except Batman, because that made a lot of money and we can't touch that. And Joker. And Joker. Well, we can't touch that one either. That's no good. Yeah, yeah. It's complete bullshit. Look, you can't you can't sweep the slate clean, but then not. Yeah, that's not like, how it works. That's not how it works. We're going to sweep the slate clean, except Batman and, and Joker. They're going to stay. And some, Jason Momoa is staying, but Henry Cavill isn't. And Gal yeah. Gadot is going to film a cameo about once a year. We're going to get her in and put her on a green screen. Yeah, we love that. to go, yeah, hi, I'm Gal Gadot. I yeah, mean, that'll, that'll be what we do. Yeah, yeah, that's it. That's all we're going to do. Absolute horse crap, Ben. That is not how you sweep a slate clean. It is. That's Michael, how you make I, things even more confusing. I tell you how the US uh, <laughs> wiped the slate clean back in 1945, Michael. Oh, holy God. What a segue. <laughs> what a segue, Benjamin. One of they the biggest <laughs> atrocities in human history. Just lash it in there for a little segue. They they dropped a bomb, Michael, on Japan, uh, too, in fact. And it yeah. was all made by possible by one man, a man called Robert Oppenheimer, Michael. Well, that's a very great man prescriptive attitude or understanding of history, Ben. I don't think it was all made possible by one man. Well, that's all America understands how to make movies about, Michael. The great man theory has supplied Hollywood box office gold since God knows when. Yeah. 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 Alexander. Alexander, famously incredibly popular. Fabulous film. Colin Farrell in it. Yeah, Colin Farrell was in it. Great. Alexander was a fantastic film. Really <laughs> good. It was, awful. it was terrible. Yeah, the highlights were only in his hair, as the fellow yeah. would say, Michael. Yeah. Uh, no, Michael, what I bring to you this week is the bizarre phenomenon of Barbenheimer. So, <laughs> what is Barbenheimer? 
So there's a little example of it there on your screen, Michael, and it's 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 quite it's quite unusual. But what's happened is July 21st is a weekend where both Greta Gerwig's Barbie and Christopher Nolan's Oppenheimer are releasing at the same time. And this is kind of interesting for a few different reasons, because number one, the army of film bros that back Christopher Nolan to the hilt, Michael, is dedicating itself to the Oppenheimer release naturally. What what's a film bro? Are we film bros? We're kind of film bros, depending on how many clicks we want to get on a TikTok or a reel or or something like that. Fil- film bros are the kind of people that believe that ba- the Dark Knight Returns is the pinnacle of cinema, Michael. It is the pinnacle of cinema. Uh, it's it's it's. I suppose in a modern media landscape, Michael, it's it's white guy movie fan syndrome, where it's like Quentin Tarantino is my favorite director. To which people might say, Have you not watched anything else since? Since the nineties, have you not watched? You know, oh, Reservoir Dogs is is the best film ever made. It's All right, like, is it? All right, Ben. Is All it? right, Ben. All right, hold on a second. You tell me one film made since the nineties that's better than Reservoir Dogs. One. Um, You've got three uh, seconds. Three. Alexander. Alexander two. with Colin Farrell. Oh, film Alexander. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Alexander yeah. with Colin Farrell. That was Steady made on. by yeah noted person of color Oliver Stone. Yes, noted person of Colorado Rose Stone. If, if you hadn't accepted that answer, Michael, I probably would have said The Dark Knight Returns by Christopher Nolan. Very good, yeah. Yeah. Right. So, but we've also got the film Girlies on the other side, Michael, and those are your Greta Gerwig fans. <laughs> are they film Girlies or film Girlos? I'm a little bit out of touch with uh, women language, Ben. Personally, I think film Girlos has more of a ring to it. It's more of a, a, a Dublin ring to it. The L Girlos yeah. off to the cinema. But yeah. in, in either case, Michael, both of them have converged, Michael. And there's a bit of debate on which one you're going to see on July 21st. Because most people are being urged by a very unusual figure to see both in the same weekend. <laughs> Who is that figure, Benjamin? Is it Satan? No, t- well, close. Tom Cruise. Uh, Tom Cruise has been enlisted into the marketing campaign for both films. He did a little mini press tour last weekend where he got advanced screenings of both films on the same day. And he is now urging many, many people to do the same thing. Didn't Tom Cruise also promote The Flash? Is Tom Cruise trying to single-handedly save cinema? Yes, that is actually as accurate a statement as you could possibly have made. Yes. Because it's been a year of flops. So, I mean, releasing Barbie and Oppenheimer on the same day seems to be the most exciting thing that's happening in cinema this year. Bereft as we are of an Avengers or an Avengers or, or. I guess an Avengers. <laughs> yeah, or maybe an Avengers. We, was, we don't we don't have a lot to look forward to, Michael. And maybe that's why we're getting such a bizarre juxtaposition in Barbie and Oppenheimer. But what what the uh, what the internet has done, because what it does is great, Michael, is it's come together and it started making uh, fan fan marketing material for <laughs> Barbie. So we're getting bizarre posters, Michael, um, like Oppenheimer with a big Barbie glitter mushroom cloud in the background. Fabulous. Yeah. Very disrespectful of all those people who died. And we're getting posters of exactly like the Oppenheimer marketing, but in purple and pinks with a cowboy Barbie striding out of the aftermath of a Wonderful. Explosion. Like uh, Doctor Strangelove. Lovely stuff. Exactly. Michael, there was a big marketing stunt pulled for this. There was the Barbie house created in Malibu. 
um, an architectural digest did a tour of it with Margot Robbie um, and it exists it's a big pink house that's been kitted out to promote the movie as the Marby Malibu dream house and uh, naturally they're doing Oppenheimer posters with a CG explosion mushroom cloud put in the middle of the very house very good Benjamin did, did Architectural Digest put a lot of limes in the house I would imagine so yeah I would imagine yeah, they so they always do Ben yeah I'll tell you which one we're going to see go on Whichever one the studios send us free passes to. <laughs> yeah, lads, we've, we've been trying for a while here. We're banging off some emails to get some preview screenings. It's not going very well for us. So we yeah, tell yeah. you what, we will yeah. give a rave review. Tom Cruise, listen to us. Listen yeah. to us. We're yeah, all four. We're going to save cinema with you, Tom. Just get us into preview screenings. Please. Yeah, yeah. Please. Please we don't have the budget Di- for all these films. Disney's the only one who care about us, Ben. Warner Brothers couldn't give a flying shite. They could not. Now what's their beef? What is the beef between Sherlock Sherlisson and Warner Brothers? I don't know. I wish someone had told us, though. It'd be easier to get on with things if they told us, but they haven't told yeah, yeah, us. Yeah, weird. weird. It's weird. What's next, Ben? What's next on the list there? I've forgotten. You've, you've, you've just blocked it out of your mind, I've Michael. I've blocked it out of my mind, such as my rage at it. Um, oh, just like the trailer for June 2. <laughs> Benjamin, I believe I sent you this trailer and said, Ben, we better watch the trailer for June 2. Um, I can't remember anything that happened in it. I remember watching it on the day, Michael, and I could not for the life of you tell me of what me. I did. Yeah. No, yeah. yeah. Uh, I guess there's going to be deserts and there's going to be Fremen and there's going to be Shai Halud. Uh, they're going to be there. The lads are going to be. It looks like a perfume ad again. Yeah. Um, yeah there's going to be Zendaya's going to be in it. Yeah, she's she's going to be knocking about the place doing Zendaya things. Look, Michael, the first film was good. It's it's a classic Denis Villeneuve. It's what it's what you get him for. It's a big space opera with big gigantic set pieces, monumental scales, very mm. serious depictions of the characters that we've all come to understand. But then again, Frank Herbert's Dune is very serious. So it's a it very makes serious sense. book, Benjamin. In retrospect, my favorite thing about the first one is that a terrible prison planet where the Sardukar are undergoing their indoctrination into the the whatever it is the cult or the army do you remember that, that with the, th- the throat singing and everyone going that'll have been very pleasant for the listeners Michael uh, <laughs> will I do it again will I do it again for the listeners now Ladies and gentlemen, what? for those of you who don't believe Michael is doing a very good impression of that scene, he actually is. He's That's fucking good. nailing it. That's very That's on the good. money. Yeah, yeah. Very I, on the money. I really, I really, I'm really looking forward to this. What what I think is weird about this, despite the fact that I've seen the trailer and I remember literally nothing that happens in it, mm. I'm really excited for this to be complete. Because yeah, for it to be done. For Yeah, because in this day and age, it's so weird for them to take a book split it into two and not film it at the same time yeah that seems almost almost ever since Lord of the Rings that seems like a mad thing to do so heretical yeah exactly exactly Benjamin as they would say in the Dune universe was there ever a risk of this not coming out I don't there must have been Um, there there must have I, I mean, I would say he got he dodged the bullet of the writer's strike just in time. Yeah, Although, yeah, but this, yeah, this is made. This has been in the can a little while. Yeah, uh, but I mean, Warner Brothers must be banking heavily on this now with the writer's strike, really starting to seize 
production in terms of new content and summer content and stuff like that like a lot of movie studios must be depending on their Oppenheimers their Barbies their Dunes because they're not going to make more there's there's nothing else Mm. coming out Benjamin have you heard the gossip the latest gossip from behind the scenes from our man on the inside uh, regarding the, the MCU TV shows go on tell me more apparently Marvel were so underwhelmed with the Echo series it was uh it was essentially going to get Batgirled. Oh. But now that they're not allowed to make anything else, it might get unBatgirled. Oh, good for them. I wonder will they so, brush, brush off Batgirl. I wonder will that just get released. You never know. They might yeah. do, you know. Actually, that's not a bad shout. Maybe the, maybe Warner Brothers will just go, I'll tell you what, we're, ma- we're saving a little bit of money by not inviting the lads from Sherlock sure Shalisson sure to any premieres. So we'll <laughs> use that money. And we'll bang Batgirl out onto streaming while we can't do any new stuff. Um, yeah, I, I mean, they'll probably do it with that awful Flash movie that they canned and put on the shelf, Michael, that we never got to see starring Ezra Miller. Do you remember that? Yeah, it's such a shame we never got to see that. Such a shame. It's such a shame such we a shame. never got to see that and didn't block it out of our minds. Ben, it's not unlike the trailer ben. for Dune 2. Yes. Ben, exactly. Ben, I was talking to my friend Andrew Shane the other day. Do you remember him? Oh, we're good pals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hi, Shane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and uh, he's very annoyed at us because we all enjoyed oh. Flash. Oh. Remember we all enjoyed Flash? We came out of the cinema and went, that was kind of okay, wasn't it? And yeah, we did. <laughs> you and I went on a journey and a week yeah. later went, I hated that. But uh, he wasn't on that journey with us. It, well, we probably should have included it, Michael, but what we did was we, we applied critical thinking to the experience that we had. Mm. And then mm. we're left with only one mm. conclusion, which was, that was actually a bit shit. A bit shit, unlike June 2, because, I mean, if there's one thing we can be certain of, June 2 is going to be quite good. And that our minds will probably wipe and we won't be able to apply critical theory to it because that seems to be how June 2 works. That's how it works, just like mm. Shai Halud. Benjamin. Yeah. What the hell is this niv nivnana that you've no, put on you, there? You know, I can't, uh, you, you know I can't read Irish, Ben. Come here to me, Michael. It's not nivnana. Go on. Na, na, na. Never, 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 baby, never, never. <laughs> Very good. It's Nimona, Michael. We got a brand new movie out on Netflix this week called Nimona, and it's doing gangbusters, Michael, with the critical reviews. People like oh, it. Do the critics like it? Na 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 na. My Nimona. So what I did ahead of this, Michael, was I grabbed the L comic it's based on by N.D. Stevenson. It's a comic, is it? It's a comic originally, Michael. A comic written for teenagers. I've never heard of N.D. Stevenson. That sounds like a nom de plume. N.D. Stevenson, Michael, is the writer responsible for Lumberjanes, which was another popular comic book that came out a few years ago, and also wrote She-Ra on Netflix. Oh, that was quite good. Benjamin, are you saying, are you just mispronouncing Andy? No, N.D. Are you saying that like a Canadian or a there's South a very, African? There's a very important reason for this, Michael. I have Go to on. be very careful. Andy yes. Stevenson is the, the chosen writer name of an individual who has transitioned. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So there's a few things going on in this movie and there's a few things going on in this comic. Let's start with the comic because that's the thing that I read first ahead of the thing. What a great bloody comic. Is it very bloody? So, Michael, this is the interesting thing. Yes. Oh, Yes, You've undercut it is. my sarcasm there. Yes, you see, that's I undercut my own sarcasm, Michael, because I picked this up and I had heard a few things about this over the years and I always wanted to pick it up and give it a read because it's a bit of a saga, Michael. It's a hefter of a book, and it oh, started yeah. as a it started as a web comic, 
and then it was published as a volume in 2015. That's ages ago. That's ages ago, Michael. Ages Eight ago. Eight years. Eight whole damn years. God Four damn Four count COVID. COVID doesn't count, Michael. We've all blocked it out. Not unlike the trailer for Dune 2. So When's that coming out? Uh, and, uh, sometime before the writers strike to make some kind of money. Um, <laughs> God, it sure would be helpful if, I don't know, Warner Brothers sent us some tickets with the dates printed on them. Sent us some tickets, so Warner Brothers. God's sake. <laughs> But Sorry, go on. Nimona <laughs> is fantastic. Nimona is about uh, Ballister Blackheart, who is a supervillain in a kind of medieval futuristic society. Oh, they're contradictory, those two words. They are. They don't go together at all, but it's still quite good. And then what happens is one day Nimona appears, Michael, and she says that she is going to be his new sidekick. Oh, a classic forced sidekick plot. Yeah, so he has no choice but to take this. Now, the tone of this comic is phenomenal, Michael. It's very whimsical. It's very silly. Um, but it has razor sharp plot points and scenes and emotions. It's very, very good. So it turns out that Ballister Blackheart was once upon a time going to be a knight, Michael. Um, oh, of this realm, a protector of this realm. And he lost in a... Je- well, he won a jousting competition. He was the best damn knight in town, Michael. Mm, a and- jousting competition is called a joust. Yes. He lost in a jousting competition, Michael. Uh, well, he won you it. And then, and then it turns out that the the secret crush and love of his life, Golden Loin, his, his rival in the knights, blew his arm off with a future techno lance. And so Ballister Blackheart is banished from the Knight's Order because you you ha- you must be whole and complete to be part of the Knight's Order, which is very interesting in itself, Michael. Mm. Very mm. ableist. Very ableist, Michael. Good man. Good man. Now, so the way this is set up is uh, Ballister Blackheart is kind of in a, a classic dance, Michael. Not unlike in the Venture Brothers, the way you have the Guild of Calamitous Intent and the Heroes League, and they, they kind of agree when they're going to have their fights and stuff like that. So Ballister Blackheart is viewed as a kind of an essential threat to unify the city against by the institution. The institution is the name of the governing body of this society. And Nimona comes along and she's like, no, you should be a proper supervillain. Just fuck shit up. Yeah, let's go ruin stuff. And it turns out that Nimona is a shapeshifter of phenomenal power, Michael. She can shapeshift into just about anything you can set your mind to. I saw the trailer, Ben. She's flipping into everything you can imagine. Flipping into everything you can imagine. So the comic is amazing, Michael. It builds on some really nice themes. It, it's great characterization. It's a really fun read. Um, the character designs themselves are very set. Um, it's a very stylistic approach. But someone who is very, very skilled at comic book storytelling has done them because the storytelling visually is phenomenal. And Michael... Mm-hmm. It hints at a few different things. There are there are a few key differences. It hints at a relationship between Golden Lion and Blackheart. It doesn't directly state that they are in a romantic relationship. And number two, incredibly gory. Now, Mona has no issue, Michael, with murdering uh, henchmen for the institution. She has no oh, bother good. doing that. And Ballister Blackheart is constantly like, no, 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 no. Don't kill anybody. Don't do it. We don't have to do that. And Nimona is like, but it's fun. So it's very, it subverts that expectation because when I, when I first started to read it, Michael, I assumed rather naively that the lesson Nimona, would be, yeah. mm. it, well, she would have the heart of gold. 
Yeah, or that she wanted to be a big badass but could never pull mm. the trigger. And that is swiftly, Michael, taken away from you. Yeah, like Taylor Swift's concert tickets. Yeah, so this I would strongly urge anybody who uh, likes a good independent comic book, a whimsical comic book, go out and get Nimona. It's great. It's a great read. If you have teenagers or anything like that, give it to them. It's a good read. Great time. Some really nice themes, some very important themes on ableism, some very important themes on uh, being trans, some very important themes on homosexuality, LGBTQ+, plus, uh, LGBTQIA+. Yeah, you got it right. Plus. Yeah. Oh, there's more. Um, there's, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll get to that another time, Michael. Not on this podcast. But then, Michael, I went and I watched Bloody Nimona on Netflix as a result of that. And I have to say, Michael, this is a perfect example of what happens when you let a writer get a chance of telling their story again and seeing what they change. Because Nimona on Netflix is just as good as the comics. And written by the same person. Yeah, so Andy Stevenson wrote this as well. Very good. I think that's probably a good idea most of the time. Not all of the time. I, not all of the but time. most of the time. But most Sometimes of the time. Sometimes comic book writers are rubbish at writing TVs and movies. Not in this case, Michael. This is very enjoyable. So this has a star-studded cast, Michael. Tell me one person who's in it. Uh, bloody Chloe Moretz. Uh, what's her name? Oh, no. I've forgotten. Yeah, she was she was out Chloe of Chloe Moretz girl. Grace. Yeah. Chloe Moretz yeah. Grace is Nimona. She's the voice of Nimona. Riz Ahmed plays Ballister Blackheart. One of your favourites, Ben, from Rogue Squadron. I love Rogue Riz One. Ahmed. He's absolutely fantastic. Riz Ahmed is amazing. He's great. We have Eugene, Eugene Lang. Sorry. Eugene Lee Lang. Uh, from the Try Guys, Hugh Jackman, Michael. are you saying? No, Eugene. <laughs> Eugene. Eugene. I can't say the. I can't say the name Eugene, which is news to me. Um, the, Eugene. The, ben, the guy. The guy who used to go and like have like a, a five dollar chicken, a fifteen dollar chicken, and a sixty dollar chicken. That <laughs> that's, guy. That's not him. That's the. Tr- that's uh, Rich something. I can't remember. But this is Eugene Lang from the Try Guys, Michael. Not the one who was cancelled. Um, he's the Asian gentleman in the Try Guys, so he voices Golden Loin. And okay. now you're saying it, Loin. Yes. Do you mean Loin as in crotch? I don't know if they mean loin as in crotch, but that's his name. That's that's his name. Okay, I'm not wrong. My can, no, I'm not saying you're wrong, but my, my question is here, are you saying lion like the animal or loin like the... No, the loin as in loin cloth. feature. The anatomical feature. Oh, yeah, feature. okay. Yeah, all right. All yeah, right, okay. Yeah, it, it's spelt that way in the comic book and it's said that way in the in the movie. It's golden loin. Oh. To which, okay, yeah, very good. Which, yeah, I just thought you, yeah, you'd forgotten how to pronounce it. That's fine. That's great. No, to which the exact same reaction happened to me, where I was like, "Oh, cheeky!" Um, oh, cheeky! Because it's, <laughs> <laughs> because it's very come around your house. Yeah. So there's there's a lot going on in this, Michael. But some of the key differences from the movie is they've toned it down a little bit, so it's not as bloody always in this. Mm. Yeah. Not as bloody. However, what they have done, Michael, is made the the romantic relationship between Ballister Blackheart and Goldenloin um, explicit. It's it's clear they are in they are romantically in love with each other, um, and that is the the main pain for Ballister Blackheart. He is shunned by the man um, he loves, 
Um, and it's, okay. it's very interesting. So- you mean explicit as in not secret, rather than explicit as you yes. get to see them balls deep fucking? Oh no, sorry, there's no balls deep fucking in this. No, sorry. Okay, uh, right. it's uh, uh, it's clear. It's it's uh, there's there's no subtlety. Subtext. Not yeah, yeah. There's no subtext. There's no hidden meaning. They are romantically in love with each other, and it's very nice to see those themes of. Um, Trans visibility and trans acceptance are very, 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 very clarified in this. Um, it, because in what way is, n- one, is one of the characters trans? Is that what you're getting at? N- Nemona as a shapeshifter. Uh, no, Nemona as a shapeshifter identifies very much as neither gender. She, uh, ah. yeah. So there's there's a lot of that going on, and uh, it's very interesting, Michael. A really, really, truly enjoyable film. Uh, it has that very clean French animation style. And it, it's just a really fun watch. It looks a little bit cheap from the trailer, and this kind of surprised me. It's phenomenally high quality, but for some reason, the way they've cut the trailer makes it look very simplistic or something. I don't know how that works, but it's a beautiful film. Um, check very it out. Good. I, I uh, cannot uh, recommend it enough. I might do, Ben. You said neither gender there as, as though there are only two, but look, we won't talk about that now. We'll come back to that at some stage in the future. While Apologies. you watching... <laughs> While well, you've been watching Nimona, Ben, the movie Nimona, on Netflix, mm. is that where it mm. is? Yes, it's on Netflix. I watched my favourite thing that I've seen on television in flippin' ages. Yeah. And that is, Benjamin, the new season of Black Mirror. Oh, get out of town at Charlie Brooker. A good old Charlie Brooker, Benjamin. And in particular, the standout... Is one of the one of the best things that I've seen on television in years. Joan is awful is fantastic. Now I've been avoiding reviews so as not to be parroting other people's opinions. And I could be completely wrong and the internet might hate this. But I thought it was one of the cleverest, funniest, most thought provoking female led comedies with a dark social horror twist that I've ever seen in my life. Now, I realise that's a narrow field, Ben. It is. And probably the second best one is that one with Bryce Dallas Howard, which is also Black Mirror. Yes. But but this is, from start to finish, other than a slightly slow first three minutes, it is great. Oh, well, that's good, isn't it? Now... The sad thing about it is we can't really talk about it without getting into big-time spoilers. Gosh darn it. So we're going to have to get into big-time spoilers, Ben. So we'll we'll give a spoiler warning. Yeah. But we'll say, first of all, that if you have any interest, even if you're not a horror fan, because this is barely a horror, it's not a horror. It's a social okay. commentary with a sci-fi twist. Right. It is not a horror. It's no more a horror than the one with Bryce Dallas Howard. Okay, so, if your beef with Black Mirror is that you don't like horror, this is not a horror. Okay, well, it's that's so- good. It's a social commentary. It's a comedy. It's a female-led okay. double-header comedy. So, if you liked The Heat... Oh, no, that was Jason Statham, wasn't it? If you yeah. liked... What was the one with Melissa McCarthy and... Oh, that was The Heat. No, that if was you The liked- Heat. Yeah, if you liked The Heat... Because you love female-led double-header comedies, but you want one that's not fucking shite, you could watch this. Oh, that's good, isn't it? It's nice to have options. Yeah, because it's fabulous. So, Ben, in it, 
Annie Murphy plays um, Joan. And Joan's a normal workaday woman who has her trials and her tribulations. Annie and Murphy off Shit's Creek? Off Shit's Creek. Her off Shit's Creek. Fucking great. Another great show. Go watch that too. Great, great show. Yeah, great show. Great actress. But she's living her life, Ben. And, you know, there's ups and downs in her life. And she's not super happy in her relationship or her job or whatever. Until one night she sits down in front of a Netflix to watch a Netflix. And what's on oh, yeah. Netflix? What's on Netflix, Ben? Only a dramatic retelling of the very day she has just had starring Salma Hayek. Oh! And there's that particular scene where she sits down watching it and the gra- the gradual realisation that for some reason this show knows everything about her life and is exaggerating it slightly is one of the most fabulous moments of television I've seen in a long time. Oh, Just good. The, the sheer horror of, oh no, you forgot that thing you did that you're not going to want your boyfriend who's watching this with you to find out. And as she tries to convince him that they don't need to watch it anymore. And it gradually approaches the moment where she's going to get in trouble. Oh, no. great bit. But um, the reason that it's, you know, the reason that it's not just uh, isn't that mad is that it turns out, Ben, that when we're signing away our rights, when we sign all those terms and conditions, um, one of the rights you give away is the right for the streaming service to listen on your phone and listen on everyone else's phone and use your day and AI generate a show almost immediately as your day is happening. Get out of town. So the actress Salma Hayek, Ben, doesn't actually appear in it because... It's the entire show is generated by, by deepfake. Get out of town. So the actress Salma Hayek has only signed away her license rights and she actually has nothing to do with the production of the show. Ah. Exactly, Ben. So our, the, the hero or the main character, Joan, realises that if she does something truly appalling, then the actress... Salma Hayek will appear to do something truly appalling and that would probably upset Salma Hayek enough to pull the plug on the show. Good. Good. But it turns out, of course, Ben, that Salma Hayek has no more power to stop it than than Joan does. Of course, she signed away her rights, Michael. She signed away her rights, Ben, and AI is just stealing her likeness and her voice and her face and making her do horrible things. Yeah. As AI probably will one day. Exactly, Ben. So, of course, uh, Joan and Salma then have to team up in a kind of buddy cop sort of way and try and bring down the evil organisation that's causing it. Michael, this sounds fucking great. It's fucking great, Ben. And you know what's the greatest thing about it? I haven't even told you the best twist. And the best twist is a fabulous sci-fi twist. Okay, mega spoilers. push this... Hmm? Mega spoilers. (laughs) Mega spoilers. So, I've I've spoiled enough so far that you can still go and enjoy this. And the mega twist, Ben, is probably where it might lose some people. But it's where it really made me think, this is fucking great. So, do you want the mega spoilers, Ben? I do. The mega spoiler is that the TV, the, the, what we've been watching, where, where Joan is experiencing this is actually the second level up. So 
this Joan isn't the real Joan. This Joan is a digital likeness of the actress Annie Murphy being oh. used to create an AI show of the real Joan, Very who good. is one level beneath this. And there's one level above this where Salma Hayek's character thinks she's the real Joan and her life is being repeated by the actress Kate Blanchett. Amazing. And it is great. It is incredible. The moment where it all kind of clicks together and you realise none of this is real. This is just one step up in the chain of infinite AI repetition is absolutely fantastic. That sounds amazing. And the only person who it was better for is the actress Annie Murphy. Because she tells a story where Charlie Brooker gave her the script and she read through the whole thing. And then she got to experience that twist while reading the script because suddenly the script starts talking about the actress Annie Murphy and she was just as confused as the characters are in the show. That's amazing. Which she's able to really pour into the performance. So it's an incredible... Not like the acting is great, the comedy is fantastic, the, the change in tone between what we think is real Joan and the slightly heightened version of Joan that we see played by Salma Hayek, and then the more realistic, muted tone of real Joan is just great. The whole, when when you see real Joan's life, real Joan looks like, do you remember with Black Mirror you used to be able to tell instantly this is an English episode or this is an American episode? Yeah, yeah. So real Jones, American Jones life looks like an American episode of Black Mirror. Go on. It's pretty slick. But real Jones life looks like a British episode of Black Mirror. Oh, very good. You know, much more natural colour grading, um, real sets and locations rather than Hollywood homes and stuff like that. It is great. It is fabulous. And like, even ignoring the cool sci-fi twist and even ignoring the like fun of the multiple levels and the the fear of AI, there's a great sequence in the middle of it where Joan realises that her life and identity has been stolen out from under her. Yeah. This sounds amazing. It's great. It's great. That, even that, that existential panic is enough to carry it on its own without the couple of other sci-fi twists of it being AI and uh, and Salma Hayek also being affected and then there being multiple levels. Michael Sarah's in it. Fabulous stuff. Michael Sarah, you say? Yeah, 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 yeah. It hurt my brain, Ben, thinking about it the next day going, so wait a minute. In the next universe up, the re- Salma Hayek thinks she's the real Joan and she hates... Kate Blanchett for being in the dramatization of her life. Oh, but that amazing. must mean there's another universe up past that where Kate Blanchett thinks she's the real Joan and some other Hollywood A-lister. So, so many layers. Oh, it's great stuff, fabulous stuff. Um which is which is kind of fun Ben because it tied into the themes of loss of identity and mm-hmm. feeling a hopelessness and all of those cool themes about like losing your identity and being lost 
that Marvel's Secret Invasion just can't seem to hit. Oh, go on. What? It, because Michael, I also watched Michael, Marvel. Hold on. Uh, yes, hold, on. hold on. Hold what? on. What? That was what an is Oscar-worthy it? segue. Well done. I've planned, I've been planning this all week, Ben. <laughs> yeah, no, it's very good. Because, uh, yeah, 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 because Secret Invasion is rubbish. Is it still rubbish? Oh, it's so rubbish, Ben. It's oh, so bless. boring and toneless and threatless. And I think the worst, the worst thing I can say about it, simultaneously the worst and the most damning, is feels like feels like like one of the middling episodes of Agents of Shield. Oh, that is poor. That is in terms. That is you know, a backhand. Yeah, imagine if for some reason Agents of Shield had managed to get Olivia Coleman and Amelia Clark. And Samuel L. Jackson for more than a cameo. Oh, that is damning. But everything else feels about the same. Like, it's, there's no feeling of threat. There's no feeling of, we don't know who's scrolls and who's not scrolls. Oh dear. There's, and even the people who are scrolls, does, does it matter? Does it really matter? There's so many superpowered people and like, a scroll is a little bit stronger than a normal human. Oh, is it not a lot stronger? It's not like the yeah, it's not like the comics. Well, they're like they're a decent bit stronger. They they met a guy in the first episode, I think it could have been the second episode, and they kind of hinted a little bit that he might be something other than a scroll. Super scroll. And well, they're they're heading towards super scroll. Oh, okay. But but they were hinting that he might be something different, something else that was that's a little bit stronger than a human. And a bit supernatural. And for the briefest of seconds, I thought they were hinting towards vampires. And I was like, if this is going to be a mix-up of scrolls and vampires working in secret behind the scenes, I'm a little bit intrigued. But then he turned out to be just a scroll. And I went, oh, Oh. it's just a scroll. And that's the most damning thing you can say about this show. It's that when someone turns out to be a scroll, it's like, oh... It's just a scroll. It's just a scroll. It's just a uh, scroll. Yeah. So what happens in the what's ha- what happens in these two? What's what's going on? Or, or have we got more of the plot now? Yeah, there's more of the plot. So the scrolls are trying to gather DNA of aliens with superpowers to make some sort of uh, some sort of super scroll. Some sort of super or superior scroll, eh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they don't have the rights for the Fantastic Four, or they didn't want to like pre-use the Fantastic Four's powers. So we get a little scene on a computer where we see they've got some of Groot's DNA. Oh, look at that. They've got some of the extremist DNA from the Iron Man 3 baddies. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. That's, that, that's, got, a, that's a weirdly shit callback, but okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know what that power, you know what power Groot gives you? Stretching and growing. Stretching and growing. You know what power Extremis gives you? Bit of fire, fire yeah, 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 yeah. You know what power Cull Obsidian from the, the Black Order gives you? Big old strong boy. Being a big old strong fella. Um, so they're going down the Super Scroll route without referencing the Fantastic Four's powers. Must be really awkward that they haven't introduced any invisibility adjacent superheroes in the exactly, MCU. Yeah. That's, that's awkward. <laughs> Yeah, very uh, and 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 uh, th- this is uh, this is Siobhan Jones from Wales. Yeah. Uh, we got her DNA. She's a superhero you haven't heard about yet, but she's she's definitely she go, she can go invisible. So yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. It's rubbish though. It's it's just so boring. It's just it's toneless. It's tensionless. It's there. There's a scene. I think the actors 
thought they were in, like a Tinker Taylor, Taylor Soldier spy sort of thing. Yeah. But everything is lit and shot like a, a Marvel TV show. So so you can't build that tone, really, can you? No. Like, there's a there's these skull, scroll kind of refugee camps slash terrorist training centres. Yeah. And... They just look like any kind of huddled mass of rag-wearing extras that you've seen in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. or right. The Inhumans or any of those shows. It's like, okay, so you've got extras in rags in like a, an abandoned warehouse. I've seen this a hundred times before. What yeah. about this is tense? Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, very upsetting. That is upsetting. That is mm. upsetting. It is. It is upsetting. It's not making me hope for the future of the MCU, Ben. Oh, that is very disappointing, Michael. Uh. Mm, I think the only explanation for it, Ben, is that the the writers, the good writers who used to work for Marvel, have been replaced by some sort of pod people. Oh, that, that yeah. Do you remember, Michael, when they used to be great and now they're the same people, definitely, but just not as good and a bit off. Yeah, probably yeah, pod yeah, people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very good. Very good segue. Not as good as my one earlier, but pretty good. Pretty solid. Yours was probably the grade A, Michael, and this one was the body snatched version. Um, Very good. Of a segue that you would do. Yeah, Michael, 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 Michael. Humans are being replaced, and that's the theme of the week. Oh, by AI or by pod people? Well, it doesn't really matter anymore, Michael. All I know is humans are out. Whatever else is going to take over their bodies and pilot them the same way are in. Go on. That's interesting that you said it that way, Ben, because yeah. I think that's what's interesting about the current AI scare. Um, and uh, like Jonah's awful tied into that nicely, where it seems like in the history of pop culture, humans are always worried about being replaced. Yes. But what it is that's going to replace them depends very much on the prevailing winds of society. Absolutely. Absolutely. The the fear of being replaced, for some reason, Michael, has become a, a massive fear since the Victorian era and a little bit before that. But the the fear of of slow replacement is a core one, similar to, I suppose, you know, unexpressed desire being vampires, you know, lascivious, bloody snaky boys being vampires you know these kinds of things this is one of the core ones that fuels a lot of our horror fiction Benjamin yeah you know how I know you haven't been replaced by a pod person go on because we're doing a Sherlock Sherlock deep dive onto a genre and you've taken it back to the Victorian era yeah well, that's how you know Michael that's how you know that's our code word <laughs> Michael you know. That's how you know. Yeah, yeah, if yeah. I ever if I ever take it any further than that, Michael, you won't get a lot about it. You'd just be like, that's not my Ben. What the fuck? Yeah, yeah. You know in you know in pop culture, Ben, when someone is replaced and they say, Tell me something about me that only you would know. I won't do that if I think you've been replaced. I'll just give you a topic and ask you to tie it back to the Victorian era. <laughs> and if your body snatcher says, What? Then I'll know he's not real. <laughs> That's probably true. But Michael, you can chart that change throughout fiction. We've seen it a few different times. It started with the the classic kind of thing of aliens. Aliens are going to replace us. That's where we got things like invasion of the body snatchers, things like that. Um, and that really became a, a central concern, Michael, uh, when it came to mass uh, immigration. 
in oh, different Oh, it's immigration. Countries. It's not entirely immigration, but some of the fear stems from the fear that you were going to be replaced, not by anything supernatural, not by anything AI advanced, not by robotics, not anything like that, by other people. Um, mm. You were just going to be, your, your job was going to be taken by someone who'd do it uh, for a different rate, you know, etc. And that was the mass immigration of London in the Victorian era. And we saw a lot of that flow in. But where the body snatching and replacing element really comes into its own, Michael, is the 19th century. Uh, when we see things like Invasion of the Body Snatchers, the film. Um, and that's Aliens. Hold on. Are you saying, th- do you mean the 20th century? I mean the 20th century because I'm an idiot. <laughs> I'm in the 20th century because I'm an idiot. My, one of my favourite 1856 movies, Invasion of the Invasion Body Snatchers. Invasion of the Body Snatchers. I mean the 20th century because I'm a dumb, dumb. Um, Benjamin, but Michael, in, 18, yeah. in 1856 it would called Invasion of the Bodice Snatchers. Invaders, I I would read that book, but not for this podcast, Michael. Uh, no, no, that would be for <laughs> private reading. Exactly, I, that would not be good for <laughs> any of this. Um, but anyway, Michael, we saw this come what? to a real fore in um, the twentieth century, specifically, Michael, in the late the second half of the twentieth century. Um, where the notion of being replaced became a really, really big fear because our advancements in computing became massive. So the 1950s led to a fear of being replaced by aliens because aliens mm. were so hot right then. Yeah, but I tell you what the aliens really were, though. Go on. Communism. It was communism. Yeah, so it was communism were replacing us either way. So I suppose that's, mm. a, that's a nice segue there, Michael. You could look at that as an example of of replacing a system as opposed to a person um, and that's that's quite nice um, because that's that grew into then oh what if it was full on people what if it wasn't just the ideals that we've built our society on but what if it was full on mm. people um, and yeah so that that became something very very different and then I remember one of the first ones I saw Michael that kind of freaked me out was Blade Runner um, oh, because they were replaced by robots. Yeah, they're replaced by robots. Now, in this particular case, Michael, it's not that specific people are being cloned or replaced or changed in any way. It's that people are being replaced by robots that look and act the same as um, humans. They are replicants. That's what they're called. Um, mm. and there so in this some particular sort of easy way to tell them apart, though. There should, Michael, and there was. There was a beautiful and wonderful system. Um, and that interview system was called the something test. I can't remember what it's called. Voigtkampf, uh, was it? The Voigtkampf test. Oh, Michael. Mwah. Chef's Is kiss it? to Is you. Right? The Voigtkampf test. Yeah. It's like, a, it's like a... No, no. It's the Voigtkampf test. You're bang on. Um, and Michael, what we saw there was like uh, the Turing test on steroids. So you'd go into a room and the the replicant officer, um, the the man in charge of hunting them down, the Blade Runner, Michael, as it were, would give you the mm. interview. And I remember the first, it, it, the, in the original movie, there's about five or ten, five minutes of a scene where a replicant is being interviewed by a Blade Runner. And mm. the culmination yes. of that scene, and spoilers for a movie that came out in the 1980s, they catch the replicant, but the replicant murders the Blade Runner um, before yes. they can complete the interview. And I remember 
being freaked the fuck out at this concept that you could be having a chat with a robot no bother so i remember michael as i got older that fear has never left me and i went and had a look at it michael and saw where it came from and do you know what it's called michael fear of being replaced yeah i mean that's it's a pretty it's a pretty good example but it's called chrono syndrome oh because chronos is replaced by zeus by exactly michael exactly well done that was was, was nice there was a nice smooth segue into that so in greek mythology the fear of being replaced is a classic uh, uh, trope within uh, greek mythology so uh chronos was replaced by zeus but Cronos uh, in turn replaced his own father Uranus um, as head of the gods, and that was done through mm. an act of uh, violent consumption, usually and murder. Yeah. Um, those yeah, were always eating each other. Oh, it was terrible, Michael. It was terrible. So they did that, Michael, and now we have something called Cronos syndrome. Now, Cronos syndrome is an official diagnosis, Michael. It's it's a it's an irrational fear that people can can develop, uh, not unlike uh, agoraphobia, you know arachnophobia one of the big phobias but the fear of being replaced is known as chrono syndrome and that has fueled ever since the 1980s it's been fueled primarily by robotics and technology because that was kind of mm. then seen as the new way forward we saw it a little bit in terminator michael you know big evil robots replacing humans oh, yeah. in a much bloodier yeah. kind of wipe them out kind of way but yeah. now but also making robots who look like humans Exactly. And making them better. I think the scariest mm. thing quite often, Michael, by by the replicants or anything like that is they're better. They're not mm. they're not it's it's not a straight copy. It's an advanced version of humans. So replicants are Ooh. better than humans. They don't live as long, and that's the issue. Um but they're a more advanced species in terms of strength, durability, etc. 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 And then when we saw things like Terminator, Terminator is unstoppable, Michael. He's the Terminator. He's big, scary yeah. man. And all of the things we've come to rely on for stopping power, your rifles, your pistols, your shotguns, no good. Mm. They no do. Good. He does get stopped in every film, though. He, he does, yeah. Yeah, he does. Yeah. Eventually. That's true. That does, Eventually. that does somewhat take the wind out of that's, my sails, Michael. Yeah. That's very interesting, though, Ben, what you've said there, because that seems to be a post-80s thing where... We are replaced. Humanity is replaced by our improvements, by our betters. Yeah. But in the pre-80s stuff, we were generally replaced by our worsers. Yeah, it was an insidious evil force that couldn't survive on its own and needed a host or something like that. So we we saw that a little bit in Body Snatchers. We saw that a little bit in in other things. Yeah, yeah. well, I mean, in Body Snatchers, the kind of the, the horror of it is that it snatches people up and it dumbs them down and it makes them compliant and suggestible and calm and socialist, basically. Yeah. And and everyone's getting on and everyone's getting on with a, a great big work together and only the American capitalist heroes are the ones who don't get captured and subsumed into it. Isn't it isn't it kind of fucked up that the way you tell if someone's been body snatched is Jesus they're they're awful likable, they're God, awful likable and calm, they're very amicable, aren't they? God, they, yeah. they're really getting on. <laughs> Jeff used to be a real fucking dickhead, but now he's sound as a pound, so they must have got him. And yet, it's funny because 
if you were to spell that out, it's like, what? what's the problem? Oh, everyone's getting on. Oh, right. Well, what's wrong with that? It's just nobody's been a prick, you see. And it's like, oh, yeah, OK. Yeah. But what's so bad about that? Well, you know, it, capitalism needs you to be a prick. What was that? Sorry? Yeah. What? Have you and ever heard like, of oh, rugged no, individualism? <laughs> yeah, come here to me. Come here to me. Have you ever- We can't be, yeah. you can't be rugged without being a prick. That's the rule. Yeah, yeah. Have you ever heard of the frontier spirit? Come on. <laughs> ben, I have an offer for you. Go on, I have an, an offer, offer for you. Which, here's an offer for you, right? Here's the offer. This is an offer mm. I'm going to make to you now. Donald Sutherland. This is the offer. Yeah. Donald Sutherland. What do you think of that? Yeah. Jeff a delightful. What a, what a bargain. Oh. Yeah. Jeff Goldblum. Jeff Goldblum. Donald Sutherland. Jeff yeah. Goldblum. Leonard Nimoy. Yeah. Triple header. Yeah, that is that's nineteen seventy eight's invasion of the Yeah, that's nineteen seventy eight's invasion of the body snatchers, Ben, which is a fucking fabulous film that has held up remarkably well. Go on, tell me more, Michael. Tell me more about nineteen seventy eight's invasion of the body snatchers. Well, do you remember what I said about Secret Invasion, how it's rubbish because it's completely without tension. Every time someone turns out to be a scroll, you're like, Yeah, whatever. Um <laughs> 1978's Invasion of the Body Snatchers starring Donald Sutherland Leonard Nimoy and Jeff Goldblum but in scenes together imagine those three those three it's a surprise there's any scenery left Ben acting up a storm just chewing their way through the scenery Um, but what's great about this film that is dreadful about Secret Invasion is this is just all atmosphere it's all tension like, oh. these are relatively normal people. It's not like Nick Fury, super agent, and Olivia Coleman, head of MI6, who's also in the field doing her own interrogations. And, you know, it's not the fate of the world. It's ju- it is the fate of the world, but it's the fate of the world on a personal, paranoid, freaked out, scared level. Yeah, it's an intimate portrayal of what would actually happen if the world went to shit. Or it got better. Or it got better, you, unfortunately. Yeah, if you don't subscribe to the tenets of rugged individualism. So, like, this film, and I've had the unfortunate distinction, Ben, of, of kind of being about and seeing a couple of people have psychotic episodes, sadly. And... It's a it's a harrowing thing to see is a, a psychotic episode mm. where someone truly believes that the world is turning on them and people are out to get them and you know getting paranoid about what what's that air hostess what did she what did she give me that drink for what she put in it and the gradual descent into um utter paranoia and fear and this yeah. film is I think, having never experienced it and not being a clinical doctor, Ben, but, like, this film is almost like feeling that sensation, I I, I felt. Of, of you know, you, everything you, turning against you and becoming twisted. Yes, and, but at the same yeah. time, like, while we're watching these characters and like, as they're slowly going mad, we know that they're right. But at the same time, they're screaming against... This person's being too nice, and my my husband has stopped beating me. And oh, what have you, you done with them, you beast? 
Yeah, you know what I mean? It's like yeah. they're screaming against this system and the whole system is like, no, calm down, calm down. Everyone's everyone's kind of trying to help you here. We just want you to get along and everything's going to be fine. And it's like, it's very deeply unsettling. It's got terrifying camera angles. It's got this weird diagenic soundscape and just watching it in contrast so soon after the completely styleless secret invasion it's yeah a, i'd say that was tough it's a was real it? experience it was a real experience it's a hard film to watch because it's it's a deeply unpleasant watch watching a descent into madness but it's so what secret invasion is missing a point yeah, well, I mean, that's kind of interesting. So hearing you speak about 1978's Invasion of the Body Snatchers, Michael, has has brought to mind a weird echo from 10 years ago. And Go that on. is, did you watch World's End with Simon Pegg and Nick Frost? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah the last film of the Cornetto trilogy. The last film of the Cornetto trilogy. Interestingly, Michael, basically Invasion of the Body Snatchers... In yes. terms of, you know, everybody getting along, hive mind taking over, making everything run smoothly, you know, being given the option for making the planet a better place and mm. rugged individualism coming to save the day or in this case, not. Saving yeah, make the it day. all worse. Yeah, make it all worse. So it's very, very interesting. When we watch Invasion of the Body Snatchers, that is the theme. And when we watch World's End, because I think World's End is probably the weakest of the three that we got in the Cornetto trilogy. I don't know if it is. I think it's actually a fabulous film, but it was, I think, a little bit too out there for the audience that Shaun of the Dead and Hot Fuzz had built. Yeah, I suppose it's a bit, yeah, it's a bit left field. It's it's really is kind of speculative sci-fi or hard speculative sci-fi at a certain degree. Mm. But it's an updated version of The Body Snatchers, Michael, keeping in tone with our 1980s vibe because it's robots. Um, that are replacing a lot of the people. Now, in this, Michael, it's an interesting failure. The, it's it's a reinvestigation, I guess, of the moral of Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Because in Invasion of the Body Snatchers, it's bad because it's not rugged individualism and capitalism. Um, and you should try and resist against it. Um, and in this, Michael, in World's End, Simon Pegg's character is the... <laughs> I guess, now that you've given me this information, I'm kind of reframing Simon Pegg's character in this. He is the actual representation of rugged individualism in that he's an absolute fucking prick. Yeah, he's he is the personification of humanity's stubbornness to try and fix things. Yeah, and, and he's awful. Yeah, it's great. Um, so I've never seen the film through that lens and it's quite interesting to hear you say it that way because at the end of World's End, and spoilers for a film that came out 10 years ago, ladies and gentlemen, he fucks longer. it up. He, he, yeah, yeah. The world he, ends. He fucks it up. Um, he resists Bill Nye's hive mind voice, and he says, "No, mm. we're gonna we're gonna do it ourselves." And then it cuts to post humanity's liberation from the hive mind, and the the planet's fucked. It's done. Yeah, it's, it's shit. Like, yeah. It's shit. You fucked and it, mate. And it's him doing the same thing again as a post-apocalyptic raider. He comes into a bar and he's like, "Hey, I'm back," and it's but. It's now a horrific realisation that, oh, this was the wrong decision, maybe. <laughs> this this yeah, maybe great. wasn't the best choice we've ever made. So, ladies and gentlemen, 
What do you think? Would it be better to listen to this podcast if we were both replaced by a socialist hive mind voiced by Bill Nye? I'd certainly listen a lot more. Yes, me too. In that case, yes. Yeah, absolutely. Ladies and gentlemen, you can get in touch with us in a few different places. You can find us on the interwebs, www.shomrabug.com, S-E-O-M-R-A-B-E-A-G.com. Uh, it you means can f- tiny room in Irish. It does indeed. You can find us you on Instagram. You nearly didn't leave me a gap, I, I nearly didn't leave you a gap, Michael. I nearly didn't leave you a gap. But it did. Uh, yeah. Come here to me. You can also find us on Instagram at your luxury listen podcast. It means your luxury listen in English. It does indeed. You can find us now, ladies and gentlemen. We've changed our name on YouTube. We are now your luxury listen podcast on YouTube as well. Um, so you can find oh. us very easily. And if you go up onto TikTok, you can find us at your luxury listen podcast there as well. So we're we're unifying our we're unifying our name, ladies and gentlemen. Hopefully, one day it'll just be one thing. Just look for your luxury listen podcast, and you'll find us wherever. Ladies and gentlemen, you can join us next week when we're talking about squad goals, the best bloody secret mission teams going around in honour of Mission Impossible. Coming out. And Tom Cruise saving cinema, single-handedly saving cinema with his team. Uh, it would be Tom Cruise at the end of, of humanity if we did get replaced by replicant robot thingies. He'd be, he'd, he'd be the lad going, fuck it. Benjamin, I'm going to leave you and the listeners with the absolute best scene from uh, 1978's Invasion of the Body Snatchers, the iconic reveal that Donald Sutherland has in fact been body snatched. And I'm just going to go... (laughs) (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, (laughs) bye-bye.